Welcome to the Social Flight Live podcast, an audio version of our live show, hosted every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live, and happy holidays. We have a spectacular show for you this evening. Robert Hayes, pilot and actor from the movie Airplane, is with us for this very special holiday episode, and we also have a surprise guest. Before we get started, just a few things. First of all, as we approach the end of the year, we've got a lot of cool things going on here at Social Flight. First of all, uh, as we near the end of the holidays for or the end of the year for anyone with an I, uh, AMP mechanic or IA out there and you need to get your education, uh, we can you provide all of that through Social Flight. Just go to socialflight.com or the Social Flight mobile apps for Apple and Android devices. And our FAA Learning Center is available where you can get your education at home, print legal certificates, get credit all of it from the comfort of your own home. Be sure to get your eight hours of education before the end of the year so that you can do your IA renewal or participate in the Aviation Maintenance Technician Awards Program. In addition to that, our Fly to Win Challenge is in full swing and we are giving away a Lightspeed Delta Zulu headset. We just gave one away. We're giving another one away coming up February 1st. So be sure to check out all of that as well as our listings of so many shows going on, fly-ins, great holiday events, all available through Social Flight. Tonight's broadcast is brought to us by McFarland Aviation. We are absolutely thrilled to have McFarland on board now supporting Social Flight. Uh, if you've been watching our Mustang build, our T-51 Mustang build behind me, you've seen that we've done some episodes with these amazing products. McFarland is a PMA manufacturer of high quality parts, including cables, controls, structural components, things like that, and a retailer of just about anything you can imagine for aircraft and they do it through incredible quality and service all of this is again you can see great parts they've done for us on the mustang so be sure to check out mcfarland aviation and uh, thank them for their support of social flight and then the last thing as we wrap up the year again we are doing a very very special uh, opportunity to support social flight it is this uh, really wonderful all-metal desk uh, aircraft that is um uh, completely powered by solar. You put a little uh, light on it, the prop spins, you put go that on your desk. And all you need to do is uh, send an email to info at socialflight.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at socialflight.com. Send us an email, we'll send you a link. It's just $99 plus shipping and it helps support us and keep us going. That's our uh, great solar aircraft for your desktop. Be sure to check that out. There's only a few of these left commemorative for 2023. So thank you so much. Now to tonight's program. I am absolutely thrilled for us all to be celebrating the holiday season with my good friend and special guest, Robert Hayes. He is of course best known for his role as the pilot Ted Stryker in the classic movie Airplane. Uh, since star starring in the TV series Angie in the 1970s, he's been a household name and instantly recognizable face from television and movie roles for, in a decades-long career. Most recently, he hosted an A&E series, Fasten Your Seatbelt. What you may not know 
is that he's also a pilot in real life with a family history in aviation and in the military. Um, I am absolutely, uh, you know, his stories from both aviation and Hollywood are just wonderful to listen to. And I'm thrilled to call him a friend and so glad that he could join us tonight here on Social Flight Live from his beautiful home in Oahu, Hawaii. Please help me welcome to Social Flight Live, Robert Hayes. Let me bring him on the line now. Robert, are you there? There we go. Excellent. <laughs> Timing. <laughs> it's all about comedic timing, and that was it. You needed to pause and have everybody anxious for that. How are That's you doing? Exotic to hear joining us now from Oahu, Hawaii. And I was like, oh, that yeah, sounds cool. It is. It is. Well, it's so well deserved. So, what have you been doing for the holidays? Uh, well, we a nice, quiet holidays here. We were traveling a bit, coming back to the mainland and seeing family and and uh, you know, just doing all kinds of little things back there, take care of stuff, and then I uh, got back here a week, two weeks ago, something like that. So wow. very nice, very quiet. It was really nice and rainy. It's green as the dickens around here now. And yesterday and today were just uh, bright, sunny days. So you said nice and rainy, like you, you look, it's it, you love, look forward to the rainy days. Oh, I love the rain. And when it comes down over here you can look out and see blue skies and it suddenly dumps on you like there are garbage can buckets full of water up above you and it's just dropping it it's so heavy and uh and then you have a nice drizzle but for for christmas that was nice to have it be you know christmas eve it was all nice and rainy so uh you know and then yesterday it was like sunny it's not right for christmas but it was still it was a nice day <laughs> You gotta have some. You gotta have some snow and some blizzards and stuff. You know. Yeah, a little winter wonderland. I don't think. Yeah, uh, yeah I think maybe the middle of the country got that, but but uh, many of the other areas certainly didn't get too much of a winter wonderland. Let, now, I have to ask. All right, so like, Airplane is such an iconic film. Uh, even there in Hawaii. Are you do people? Are you constantly having people pull you aside, asking you things, or, or questioning? No, not so much here. Um, it's uh, less here than anywhere else in the country that I go. So it's kind of yours because you don't think anyone knows you. And then uh, one guy said, uh, "Hey, you uh, Ted Strike guy, hey, brother?" And I said, "Yeah," and he says. Hey, these guys next to him. He said, Hey, that's Ted Straker. And that guy said, Who? He says, That guy right there. Where? Right there. <laughs> oh, really? He said, Yeah. He goes, Ah. So, anyway, <laughs> totally uninterested. <laughs> but it's very, very funny. It's just it's nice, nice and quiet. Did you become a pilot before the, the movie, or, or was yeah. that? During, but it was before then. Because tell me a little bit about your family, your family background and history in, in aviation that brought you there. Well, I got I I actually I was doing a, a TV series called Angie at the time. Oh, I remember it. The role, and between the first season, which was a half, it was a a, a mid-season replacement for another show. So we had a half a season, and then we came back for a full season the next year, and uh, after the break. And during the break is when we started filming Airplane. And it was seven weeks long, and, and so we filmed five weeks, and then 
Angie came back and it was it overlapped for two weeks. So that's when I discovered what uh, sleep deprivation is really all about. That was that was the thing. But uh, during Angie is when I uh, got my my license. And did, uh, did you know ahead of time, like like for years, is it something that you wanted to do? Your your father was a pilot, correct? Yeah, yeah, he was a career marine uh, fighter pilot. And uh, in, in World War II, Korea and Vietnam, he was in Guadalcanal, World War II. Got the DFC, sunken oh. Jap destroyer. It was just a, you know, what pretty amazing, pretty amazing guy. And then he was in Korea and uh, uh, and then Vietnam. And that's when he came back and then retired, uh, retired out after that. But uh, yeah, we used to go, go to the, you know, the base and see air shows when I was little. And uh, C-130s with Jado bottles on the side, just rotate and go up, just like rockets, you know, they were. And uh, that was exciting. And seeing the Blue Angels and, and also the Air Force group, the Thunderbirds would come and they would do their air shows. The Canadian uh, uh, Snow Angels, is it, or something like that. Anyway, they were yeah. really good. Yeah. Uh, the uh, what was what was uh, what's uh, uh, what's the prime minister's name up there? Trudeau was it? Yes, just the the son or whatever of the uh, former prime minister. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And I can't remember he had he had. Uh, I think they've got a aerial demonstration team, a special one that they have for the prime minister's office. They created for him, so it was really nice. It was got called the butterflies, I think, or something. And that and that kind of drove you towards knowing that you were going to be wanting to get oh, That's what I wanted to be. It was a butterfly. <laughs> now, dad's the whole dad's. I just you know he he flew uh, planes made by McDonnell Douglas and you know all of the companies that made the planes. They gave models with a little swoop stand that it was on. And so you'd see A4s and you'd see all these different little planes that he had. He'd give them to me and I'd go play with them. <laughs> and uh, so I always, I mean, I, it was always, to me, it was always really neat. And, and, uh, and then I just kind of snuck over and got it. And when I told him that I, I had uh, soloed and he said, yeah, I figured you were. And I said, what? And he said, well, you know, when all of a sudden you, you know, we're having a conversation, you say, uh, you know, what's the ILS? What is the ILS? <laughs> and I said, really? I gave it away? <laughs> so so uh, I, I think it was 7.4 hours. I soloed something like that. And uh, 7.1 hours, something like, something like that. And I was really proud of that because that was one of the quickest ones at the flight training. That's remarkably quick. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then he he said, yeah, oh, that's good. It's 4.9, I think. <laughs> <Gee>. <laughs> but when I started, I added on a helicopter. Uh, was working towards getting adding the helicopter rating, and. Um, the army instructor, uh, helicopter instructor, 
uh, he was a Vietnam era. And, uh, and then when he got out, he, you know, continued doing instructing from the private sector. And I was, I think it was 2.1 hours I had when he let me take off. You got out, let me take off. You pick it up two feet, hover two feet, start your forward, you know, go right down whatever you're using for your, for your uh, airstrip and go up, circle, come back, set up a 60 degree, get your flight path right in, hold it in the hover, and then you set it down. And it was like 2.1 hours. And he said, I have never had anyone ever do it that fast in the military or anything. And wow. uh, so I had that over dad because one of dad's buddies, who was a fighter pilot, and he, he said, he went over the helicopters. And dad was wondering, where the hell are you going? And he saw him and said, Frank, where, what'd you, where'd you go? And he said, well, I went over the helicopters. He said, are you kidding? We're the cream of the crop. We're the, you know, the fighter pilots. We're the top guys. And, and he says, you like it? And he says, John, can I be honest with you? He said, yeah. He said, it's the most fun I've ever had with my pants on. <laughs> so he, <laughs> I could have checked this out. He went over and found a young lieutenant. And he said, he said all right, I want to I see what this helicopter stuff all about. It was a young instructor. And so uh, he got dad out. And uh, dad was a bird colonel uh, this time. And he got him out two acre field. And this is dad telling me the story. <laughs> he, he pulls it up. He says, I'm going to bring it up into a hover. And don't worry about, uh, you know, the collective and any throttle or anything. I just want you to, uh, you got your pedals and you got the cyclic. I want you to see if you can keep it in the two acres. And dad kind of turned and looked at him <laughs> like, you're stepping on thin ice here, lieutenant, <laughs> you know. And uh, so he's sitting there holding it and it started to just slightly go a little to the left. So he went to the right. He jerked it over because he's a fighter pilot. So you jerk it over and boom, it went over. And he jerked it back to the left. Boom! And he was all over the place. And the guy grabbed it and says, I've got it. Brings it back in a hover. He says, okay, let's try it again, sir. And dad was ready to, you know. <laughs> so finally, he just said, the hell with this. And, you know, after messing with that for a bit. And uh, I had the advantage of when I was doing a film in uh, Iowa and they were shooting a bunch of stuff and they had me go out to the location where we were gonna do second unit stuff with the helicopter. And I flew in the helicopter with Bob Lockwood, who was the pilot and he was really well-known film, you know, helicopter pilot. And he flew me out and they had a 450SL convertible that was my car, and I got in that, and then he filmed me all different angles, me driving, you know, through the countryside for the uh, second unit stuff, you know, that we'd have a lot of footage from that. So when he flew me out, he took off. We were talking all about it, and he found out that I was a pilot. I was so interested in it. And so he started teaching me stuff and taught me. The most important thing is he put, put your forearm on your knee, grab the cyclic just with your fingers lightly. And if you want to turn that way, you look that way, you'll start turning that way a little, you know, turn that way. And it moves your hand that much. And so I learned how slight it was. 
Now, if I'd known dad was going to do that, of course, I'm probably, you know, I don't know where I was. I was a little kid or something when he did that. But if I could have told him that, he would have had the secret, you know. But as it is, I could just tell him, one hours, dad, what's the matter? You can't, you can't keep that thing in two acres? <laughs> you know, fun. It was fun. That's awesome. And I, and I can say from having been given the stick to a helicopter on, on more than one occasion, I was unable to accomplish the subtle dexterity that you describe that keeps an aircraft, a helicopter steady. <laughs> that little secret. Just that little secret, you know, it's just thinking so tiny. And that helped when I did, I was at Oshkosh uh, at the big uh, EAA fly-in and, and uh, one of the guys that was a world champion uh, in the aerobatics, and they had a um, a sprint, I think it was, and so they took me up in a little two seater, and he said, "Okay, you got it," and he's showing me how to do barrel rolls and you know split S's, all these different things, and uh, and as I was doing it, I realized this is one of those twitchy little so I did it like I was flying a helicopter, and I would just, you know, realize it needed a little more, so I'd add a little more in, and then you're going to go back up behind you, so you just grab it and pull it in, and look all the way back, and you know, get yourself through. It was incredible, and the guy said, wow, you've got a nice touch for this, and I said, thank you, helicopters. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Bob, I've got a surprise for you tonight. Before we start talking uh, and, and dive into the movie Airplane, um, we have a surprise guest that, uh, I don't know, maybe you've met before. Uh, I have someone I'm going to bring on the line right now and introduce to the audience here, and that is David Zucker. David is recognized to anyone, everybody in the audience. David's recognized as the director and writer of the critically successful 1980 film Airplane, as well as being the creator of the Naked Gun franchise and directing Scary Movie 3 and 4. He is truly a living legend of the world of comedic films. So I am going to bring on David Zucker now. Ah! Hey! <laughs> well, I'm here, yes. How did they find you? They found me, you know. They're, they, right there, right where you are. They looked it up under amazing directors. What I did was take, a, you know, average actors, mediocre actors, and make them look amazing. That's what a good director can do. Well, you had some good actors in that. I mean, yes, you know, I, you know, it's like <clears throat> Clay and Hayes certainly was a, 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 you know, a complete, a great lump of clay. Yeah, but Kareem, at least, you had him to be able to rely on. Yes, yeah, Kareem, you know. Kareem didn't really want to memorize any lines. So it wasn't his thing. I mean, he's not an actor, not his first skill. So, but fortunately, we had him in the cockpit looking forward. So he read it everything off of cue cards. And that way. <laughs> tell him who it was originally that was supposed to play that role. Well, actually, you know, we 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 our original idea was Pete Rose. And and but it it didn't have any of the dialogue about any controversy, because I think it was pre-gambling yeah. stuff yeah so so uh he's always in october he's always in the playoffs yeah he was in well he was it was we shot it in the summer 
and uh, he was in, you know, managing, playing something, the, the, the Reds. And so he was not available. So we went to Kareem. So it just turned out to be so fortunate. Oh, yeah. But maybe some people don't know that in the film that is based on Zero Hour, the guy in the cockpit, it was actually wasn't a co-pilot, it was the pilot, was Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, who was That's the, right. running back for the Rams, I think. He was running back for the Rams and before that uh, for the University of Wisconsin, Wisconsin oh. where, where we were all from. He was like, you know, Tom Brady or huge. He was massive because back then, football stars were incredibly big heroes you know right big big hero you know and for some reason you know from time immemorial they would cast sports stars and put them into it like they could act i mean there is a skill to acting i mean i was obviously kidding about hayes because hayes is a pro and you can tell and julie was great too and but these guys you plug them in and uh you know oj was uh was had been in something uh, where they they faked a moon landing or something? Uh, Capricorn one. Oh yeah, I remember that. Hell, like one of these things doesn't belong. They just you can either act or you can't. And so, you know, Crazy Legs Hirsch was obviously you know uncomfortable acting, but you know, but he you know he got away with it, yeah. just like OJ did. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that was a great segue, David, by the way. <laughs> way. Way to pull that one out. <laughs> I know. I don't know where I think of this stuff, but yeah. Um, David, you have a book that just got released. Surely you can't be serious. This true story of airplane, which implies, of course, that many of the things that uh, Robert, you've been saying are not uh, apparently this false. Yeah. We set the record straight. Is really yeah. false. But uh, this you know. We, we realized at some point that, uh, you know, our kids didn't know the, the real story behind this and our, our ex-wives didn't know the story. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't know the true story. So we thought we should write a book. And, uh, you know, Bob, of course, is quoted extensively as is Julie Haggerty. And, uh, and over 40 people are, are weighing in to the whole story. So it's, a, it's an oral history. How wonderful. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to 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 dive into that. I, I understand that well for, t- tell me first about the book and then the audio book, because obviously there are some folks maybe on right now who contributed to that. Yeah. There yeah. Bob and Julie are in it. Uh a, a lot, a lot of a lot of the studio executives. Uh Michael Eisner is quoted and and also a lot of the comics and comedians and writers and directors who came after us like uh judd apatow and uh bill Hader, uh and and uh so many people uh weighed in and told what how airplane affected them it really changed a lot of things in comedy the, i the, love that that just before we oh go ahead sir the the, the brothers the blanking on the name the uh filmmaker our name is zucker we were oh, brother so much. Yeah. <laughs> what are the what's the name of the, the, the brothers team that the Marx brothers? No, the ones who influenced. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they were saying that that it was like uh oh yeah, the Fairley brothers. Fairley brothers. Yeah, yeah. and the Fairley brothers he fairly said if there hadn't been a Zucker brothers, there would be no Fairley brothers because you know, evidently 
those guys, uh, Pete and Bobby were in back in Rhode Island writing comedy. They never thought of coming to LA because they thought, well, that's, you know, for professionals and, you know, really talented people, I guess. And so then they saw us on Letterman show one night and, and uh, Pete said, Bob, you got to come in here. This, these are the Zucker brothers and Jim Abrams. And they're just like us. I mean, cause we're just very preppy Midwestern guys, or at least that's how we came off. So, and he said, that's why they decided to come out to LA. Wow. That's, oh my goodness. Talk about yeah. one thing leading to another, leading to something that just goes for generations and generations. I I have to, I don't normally do this, but we have to clue some people in the pre-show just before we went live. You got a text on your phone from, your from Bill Hader. Bill Hader telling a story about the book and his daughter. Tell me, tell me what he just said. Yeah, his daughter, you know, so he sent me a picture of the book and his daughter and he said, uh, I gave this uh, book uh, to my daughter for Christmas, and uh, and she she liked you know she thought it was a great gift. And he said you know, she, he said I'm quoted in it uh, extensively. And she said, well, yeah, shouldn't shouldn't uh, you have gotten a discount for the, you know, the, you know? So I didn't even think of that. I made him pay for it. <laughs> what are, what are some of the like top what stories when you went through and you created the book david what what are some of the biggest kind of like memories that came back or behind the scenes things from those interviews well one thing i'm sure bob remembers is you know leslie nielsen was a you know very straight laced you know actor and we had no idea that he had any sense of humor at all we didn't require it but he was a prankster so he would bring this little uh diaphragm uh, which made fart farting sounds and while Bob was in the middle of his lines, Leslie would would make this thing make sounds and try to set you up. The hardest scene in the whole movie for me. This one to go up the cockpit the first time. Yeah. And they say both pilots. Yeah. And then I said, and that's the first time I think I say, Surely you can't be serious. And he said, Yeah, I am serious, no going, surely. And uh, can you fly this plane? And that's when I said that. And then I say, uh, I flew single engine fighters in the war, but this plane has four engines. That's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. And then the two shot of Lorna and, and Leslie saying, it's an entirely, it's different, entirely different kind of flying. Yeah. So that's a three shot of all of us. Then they did the two shot of them. And then they go to my close up and all him off camera was Mr. Stryker. Can, can you land yeah. this from me? Every time I wasn't talking. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I, I should say, you know, Bob, you're reminding me, you know, that 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 was the first day of shooting. And our producer, John Davison, very wisely scheduled that scene for the first day because uh, we were first time directors. There were three of us, you know, we you know never done it before. And so uh, and 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 the uh, the studio had already greenlit a comedy without comedians, never been done before. And so, uh, and here's the, every, everybody's in, in, the, in the dailies and they see uh, Bob saying, Shirley, you can't be serious. And then Leslie says, I am serious and don't call me Shirley. And everyone cracked up. And, then, and also the uh, all together, that line, a lot of great jokes that first day in the cockpit. And so, Jeff Katzenberg uh, called us up and said, don't, don't worry, you know, you're not going to be fired. 
Um, Bob, what was it, uh, what was it like reading, you know, going now kind of back in time and reading for the book? Oh, for the book? Yeah. Um, I did that here. I did that in beautiful downtown Oahu. There is no downtown Oahu, but I was, I, I did it right here at the little kitchen table. And, uh, it was fun, but I kept doing it and thinking, wait a minute, we don't want to do this like an announcer. You've got to, you know. <laughs> It's like doing uh, an acting thing, making, me memorizing the line, and then you got to make it fresh. You got to do it over and over and over and over to get it in, and then you got to make it fresh. So, you know, the more you memorize a line, the stiffer you normally get, and the more it sounds like an announcer. Or, but that's the trick. You got to make it new. So that was kind of the trick. And then when I finally finished doing them, and I sent them in, and I you know, was listening to a couple. I went, ah, oh, man, let's, I'm going to do that again. That's not, <laughs> it's going to be better. But, you know, I've, I've, I've listened to, to it and you and Julie both sound so, I mean, you're so good and that, you know, actors can act. That's a, evidently that's a skill. So <laughs> they made, they, they actually made it sound like they were just talking it. And that's what the book is, is everybody's, everybody was just talking. Uh, and and we you know we recorded we we made a transcript and that's what the book is it's a, that's what an oral history uh, is composed of yeah and I loved listening to everybody yeah words I mean to hear uh, Tom Perry was great yeah because Tom helped you guys so much with you know the the uh, the story structure we, you know when yeah. we when we brought the script to Paramount we didn't have any of the flashbacks so. Yeah. There, there was no uh, uh, Travolta scene. There was no beach scene. There was no hospital scene. Uh, and so he, he, uh, he suggested doing scenes. We may have come up with, okay, we'll do a scene in a hospital or here. But uh, and we, we loved doing it because we could make more jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was great listening to him and Mike Eisner. It was great listening to yeah. him tell his side of it. And and uh, all the people that did that, you know, it was, yeah. it was really wonderful. We owe so much to Michael Eisner because uh, every studio turned it down. And, and, you know, there's many stories about movies where every studio turned it down. And this is another instance where only one guy saw the potential, and that was Michael Eisner. And so, uh, you know, Jerry and Jim and I never thought we showed enough gratitude. And so uh, by... By you know writing this book, it, you know we really say what Michael Eisner did, and so I had dreamed for years of bringing this book to him. So we, Jerry and Jim and I, signed it and said thank you for our careers. And I brought it to him in, as in his office in Beverly Hills, and I spent an hour and a half with him. I had never spent more than you know wow. fifteen minutes with him before that, but you know we talked. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, he was. I thought he was terrific because. I was doing Angie at the time, like I told you. Right. And hey, he he was this head of the studio, head of Paramount. Yeah. And hey, I came uh, a few minutes early and just kind of get things set up before going up from the soundstage, going up to read, you know, where we meet upstairs, we read through, and then we uh, give them half hour, 45 minutes to do some working on rewrites. We come down, get a cup of coffee, whatever. Then we start rehearsing and blocking the show. So I got there early and I'm 
they got the chairs, their director's chairs, their names on them. And, and uh, I see this guy shuffling around. He looks kind of like a, he doesn't look like a studio, um, you know, a grip or anything. He actually looked like a kind of a bum. He looked like a janitor that was just like maybe helping a janitor. You know, he was like, he had khaki pants, baggy, never kind of dirty. He had a long sleeve gray sweatshirt that had some dirt on it. He was just shuffling around and, but he seemed like a pretty nice fella. And I was talking with him and, and I said, well, I got to go upstairs, but uh, you know, if you want some water, there's water right over there. And if you want to sit down, want to rest a little, that chair's got my name on it. So don't worry, you use that one. You know, and he was just like, oh, thanks, thanks. And I find out later, it's Mike Eisner, the head of the studio. <laughs> and then I just thought, ah, oh, what a swell guy. Seemed like somebody, he's told his son, it's like, uh, Robert Hayes was a nice fellow. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> but, but hearing that, you know, what he did with the boys uh, was, uh, he was great. He was a great guidance. And also, he had his ideas that he said would work, shoot it in color, which they want to do black and white. Have it be a jet plane. But when they put the props on, that was like a little bit of a, <laughs> okay, you know. You put the sound of a prop. prop yeah. In. Yeah, yeah. So your jet plane with prop sounds. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it, the sound <laughs> makes it more dramatic. A little bit of a, oh, yeah, we wanted an old prop plane. And so at least we're going to put the sound in. It was kind of like a gotcha. But it winds up being a great joke. It yeah. was People, you know, especially pilots, always tell me about that. So it was, it was great. David, there's, there's so many things in the, in the writing, in the script, and the approach to it that have to. They're, they're joke. Obviously, they're hilarious jokes, but they're also social commentary at the same time, and kind of pushing buttons and a little in the way all in the family did. Was there? What was? How were you kind of? I guess was it touchy to be able to do any of those kind of scenes or? I speak jive and all of those kind of things. We, yeah, you know, we never thought about that. It, it never occurred to us that it would be controversial. I mean, we uh, one time in the mid '70s, Jerry and Jim and I went to the movies and we saw a movie called Shaft, and it was one of those black exploitation movies, and we loved it. And then, but on the way out, we said, you know, it was the movie was good, but we couldn't understand what they were saying. So, and then one of us said. Uh, oh, they should have put subtitles, you know, ha ha, we laughed. And then we said, wait a minute, why don't we do that in airplane? And that's really how we came to it. And then these guys, Al White and Norm Gibbs, came to uh, read for the part. And in the waiting room, they worked out some stuff and they were great. And evidently they went back and they looked in a dictionary of slang. And yeah, this Black stuff. Time. That's what and, else, black jive, dictionary black jive. Yeah, and and then they went, they and then we cast Barbara Billingsley, the June Cleaver, the whitest person on the planet, and uh, and they taught her how to how to do it phonetically. Oh my goodness, I mean, well, what, I mean, I guess, what was it at all controversial at the time, whether it's that or also the everyone lining up to, you know, slap sense in, into the... No, not controversial, it just, it was just funny. We. We wanted to do whatever made us laugh. You know, it's only in the 2015, 2020, 2023, 24 that people are sensitive. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know that, that there's that much sensitivity. I don't mean it that way. I think the people like when I've shown, when I've sat down for, for viewings with people, no one's no one's cringy about it. It's 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 great that you're able to you know tackle a lot of that. I just didn't know if you faced any headwinds along the way at any point. Ne no, never about about that. There was never any headwinds on any of the material. I mean. The uh, you know, the headwinds were casting. You know they were fine with Stack, Graves, Bridges, and Nielsen, but for the striker role, they were a little bit nervous. They wanted either Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, and we didn't. We thought those guys were great, funny, whatever, but not right for this. We didn't want a you know a comic doing it. And then uh, the biggest scare was when it came down from the studio. Uh, they wanted Barry Manilow to do it. So yeah, so that this was and the the weird thing is, you know, when Bob came in to read, I mean, we knew immediately. Just the same thing with Julie, and Bob was doing Angie as he said, and uh, it, Angie was shooting right on the lot. And in fact, our casting director uh, was worked on Angie, and somehow he, you know, no one suggested Robert Hayes. So, and Julie, we went to New York to, uh, we, we did casting in New York. Wasn't it, uh, oh, you, well, you don't want him. He's just in one of our sitcoms, one of those kinds no. of. No, no one, no one said that. No, it was your manager or agent, Beth Voigt. Right. She's the one that, that sent you. Who went to uh, Howard Koch, our executive producer, right. and, and say, I got the guy, I got your striker. And Howard said, yeah, he came in, I remember he showed us the picture, said, and we said, yeah, he looks good, let's see if he can read, you know, so, so he came in, and it was pretty much the same as Julie, you know, we just, I think we knew immediately, but then we had a scare, we went to see a rehearsal, uh, or a, a taping of uh, Angie, <laughs> and, it's and as, they away, as they walked away, what have we done? Oh God, what have we done? Yeah. <laughs> It's a totally different thing altogether. It's so different. <laughs> yeah. It's a totally different thing altogether. So you're playing yeah. an audience of a couple of hundred people. Right. And you have the camera right there, and you got all of the producers and all the 80s and grips, everybody all standing around. And then you're playing into a camera that's going out to millions of people. So you've got all these different things going at once. You have to figure out where is it that you're playing to, you know, and it's broader. And yeah, so broader, different kind of writing. Writing, yeah. yeah. David, tell me how you came up with the 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 real star of the film, Otto. Oh, <laughs> you know, I I can't remember how or whose idea it was, but it's just you know automatic pilot and a blow up dial. You know, I, I and I don't think we remember how how that came up, but it was just one of those things you know crazy stuff like you know the uh you know bob says oh oh no when kramer hears about this the shit's gonna hit the fan and then we cut to it and <laughs> the shit hits it and then you know some but it's part of a master and we kind of throw it away and that's that's actually good directing i think <laughs> I I, there was a guy when i was in the midwest and i was shooting the, I, that would that film things jump and show was one of those and a guy came up to me, a real heavy kind of Midwestern Southern accent, and he said, God, that was so funny. That was so damn funny. That thing was great, except for just that one thing. 
and I knew what it was he was talking about. And I said, gee, what could that be? And he said, well, when the you-know-what hit the fan. And I said, did you ever see that on TV or did you see that in a movie before? He said, no. And I said, well, now you have. And he said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was happy with it. <laughs> but, he, but, but he was per perfectly fine with inflating the autopilot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, over and yeah. over. Yeah. Not now, I mean, here in modern day, I don't think that the fan thing even ranks in the top 10 offensive jokes oh, in airplane. No. They asked, uh, they asked David one time, we were doing the question and answer stuff, and a reporter, somebody asked him, could you do it now? Could you do airplane now? And he said, sure, just without the jokes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Without any of the jokes. Well, I'll tell you, we, we have showed, and, and Bob has been with us on many occasions, we show Airplane for an audience here and there, and they laugh all the way through. And But it's the studios and the, the studio boardrooms, the studio executives, where they, they're frightened of anything. So you couldn't probably couldn't get the, you know, the black dudes or the fan or the uh, uh, anything. Yeah. You couldn't get it passed. They would, they would probably make it R-rated. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you when I watched it with, with my boys, 20 and 20, 21, I mean, they were rolling around laughing. And they, and, and they still only got, I don't know, a certain percentage of the jokes because so many of them are timely based on, our youth and and growing up and seeing coffee commercials where they're talking about things where there's context for yeah. you know pulling up and the argument about the parking zones and and things like that that you don't even have context until you go back so there's like multiple levels yeah. um it, it's it's just such a wonderful film what let me ask each of you um uh, starting with you bob what what was your favorite kind of your personal favorite scene out of the out of the movie Cool. Every from the moment we started until the moment we ended. <laughs> every time. I couldn't wait to get to work every day. That was just the only reason to go home was because you're exhausted. But it was so fun. It was so great. One thing that I always loved was I loved uh, uh, Peter and uh, Leslie standing at the drinking fountain, he comes back from the cockpit and Leslie comes up and he says, uh, how long before you can land? Uh, well, I can't tell you. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I don't know. He says, well, can't you take a guess? Well, not for two or three hours. You can't take a guess for two or three hours? No, I mean, not just <laughs> that one got me. That one just got me. And it was it was the the brilliance of the boys having those guys do it having peter and leslie and and uh 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 lloyd and lloyd i remember we were rehearsing us julie and me in the cockpit and them uh lloyd and uh, uh bob stack up in the uh in the tower so we were in one of those rehearsal rooms where it's all mirrors windows on, on one or two sides and mirrors on the other sides and a dance bar and a dance floor little rehearsal area and they had some takedown for you know where the desk was or whatever and 
And I remember it was just just the four of us and then the three the boys. We call them the boys, Jerry and David and Jim. And and Lloyd was just kind of he just had that kind of hey, someone's bugging him. And he finally says, Well, well, what are we doing here? I mean, like what what, what are we doing? And and Bob Stack, who knew right from the get-go, he had his, you know, he had the whole thing figured out. But he just said, he said, Well, Lloyd, they just want us to be us. <laughs> and Lloyd went, Oh God. He thought about it. And the next thing you know, he's really getting in, into it. He got into it really, really. Yeah. But at first, yeah, Lloyd was actually trying to make sense of his dialogue. Yeah. And, and yeah. Bob Stack came in and just said, just keep talking, Lloyd. You know, there's spirits going into the wall and watermelons <laughs> hitting the desk. No one's listening. Just keep talking. <laughs> we are the joke, yes. Peter, Peter Graves, Peter. I mean, you know, he told the, the boys know that whole story, but he told me he was at home and he just read it and threw it across the room. He said, this is the biggest piece of trash I've ever read. Yeah. And then his daughters came and said, Dad, this they say this is going to be really good. They have a lot of high hopes for this. And then his agent came and said, Peter, you got to take a second look at this. And then he went back and said, okay, and he went in and read. Yeah, and he, then yeah, Howard, had, Howard Koch had got Peter to come in and meet with us. And... You know, I think he was surprised that we weren't the, you know, the drugged out weirdos that he yeah. expected who, yeah. who wrote the script. Yeah. Well, here, here, he's a, you know, six, two, you yeah. know, and here's my folks at the, at the screening, the DGA, and dad's six, three, my mom, a little five, two, and I'm thinking, well, there's Peter Graves and Peter, I think that would really, you know, they'd both like to meet him. So I went over and said, Peter, I want you to meet my folks. And I, I threw in the colonel just to kind of, you know, Peter go, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's good. I said, this is uh, my dad, this is Colonel John Hayes and Evelyn Hayes, my mom. It's Peter Graves. And so how do you do? How do you do? And then there's, well, how are you? Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. I'm just a little small talk. And that Peter's out real quickly. And it's kind of, dad's never one just to, you know, get talk. It's done. It's done. And so then I'm filling in this dead space and I said, so Peter, how you been? And he says, great, yeah, fine. I have a strange hankering for little boys lately. <laughs> I saw my dad's mouth, what? I said, have you seen the show? It's gonna be explained in the show. It's called, it's called. And, and I think Peter says in the book, you know, he was in a grocery uh, checkout line yeah. There was this lady with her son, and he asked the kid if he ever saw a movie about gladiators. <laughs> and they, and, you know, the woman they, grabbed the son to protect. Yeah, grabs her son and, and takes takes her away, takes him away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so he God. yeah he ended up having a lot of fun with it. He it was, did. Oh. David, is there a scene out of the movie, out of everything that that really kind of sticks with you? You know, when I when I think about it, the scene that I, I love that just works so well, it's a master. We don't even use any cuts. It's uh, when uh, Lorna says uh, to Leslie, I've, I've scared. I've never been so scared. Uh, and uh, and, uh, and then the other the other lady comes in and uh, Leslie says, how are you bearing up? And she says, well, I'm scared. I've never been so scared. 
Oh, no, and L Lorna says, and besides, I'm 26, and I've, I've never been married. That was the, the joke. And so the other lady comes in and says, yeah, I'm scared, but at least I have a husband. So that's the, you know, Lord I, I love that gag because it's so simple. Uh, and, 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 we, and we just, I think we just did it in a couple of takes, didn't need to cover it, and we just, we moved on. And so that's the kind of thing that uh, it's just actors. And so, I mean, at and this time, another are the best, not comics. You can't, you can't gild the lily. Yeah, and Lorna was another one of the jewels. She yeah. was so good. She was so good. <coughs> she auditioned in the back seat of uh, Jerry's car, was it? Or? Jerry's car, yeah. Well, we needed, uh, uh, <laughs> at first we would have a, a, a passenger who was a nun singing to the little girl but universal came in and said no you can't do that because that's from you that's from airport and everything so we we had to quick scramble and change the uh, scene to uh lorna sings to the little girl so uh and she said yeah i can sing and so we put a tape of this song and she sang it in the back of jerry's uh, find uh anywhere and he so said well i got the car so they all yeah, line. I auditioned for the airplane in the back seat of Jerry Zucker's Volvo. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> you got the role. <laughs> That's as risque as the book gets. But uh, yeah. so, so, David, what? Uh, obviously, uh, just a few days have passed since uh, the movie came out. So, what uh, made you decide now to come out with the book? You know, we just, we realized our kids didn't know the story. And as I said, you know, uh, it just, and it was the, it, it so happened, it's the 43 year anniversary. So we, you know, we wanted to get it on that. Um, and 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 uh, we've been thinking of doing this for like the last 10 years. We've just, you know, it just took us a long time to finally, to finally do it because we thought we had a great story and, uh, and it is. It's an amazing story. I think it would be a, a, a great, uh, probably a good limited uh, series. If what it's for me, it's just so fun to yeah. relive the whole thing yeah. and hear everybody telling their versions of it. And uh, I mean, I got the book, but also as soon as it came out, I downloaded the thing off Amazon. You know, you get it on on your Audible or whatever, and it's so much fun that uh, you get to have the whole experience all over again, kind of. But just with all funny the, stories. I mean, the stories are just, I mean, and we, we take you back to 1971 when we started back in Milwaukee and we started a theater called Kentucky Fried Theater. We moved it to LA. We had no money for an ad budget. So our, our and we, we uh, called the first show we did in LA, My Nose. And we had a big nose out in the front of the theater and just so our LA Times calendar listing would say, my nose runs continuously. <laughs> and so, and, 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 they, and suddenly we, the place was packed. Yeah, the place was packed. Yeah. I mean, not from the very beginning, but you know, we, we built an audience. Well, but also they called all their friends together they could get and split into two groups. And they said there's the big billboard where they got the, uh, the ad, you know, up on the well, billboard. We rented the billboard. Yeah. Yeah, and they said, okay, they're going to tear it down, so you guys are fighting to keep them from tearing down this great old billboard, and you guys want them to tear it down because it's an eyesore. 
Then they called KTLA, Channel 5, and they said, come out here, they're having a big protest. Really? And we said, <laughs> out here yeah. the whole time they've got that in the background because that's yeah, what we told yeah we told the la times and the t all the tv stations that a big corporation planned to tear down the billboard and, and plant a tree in its place and so the neighbors <laughs> were up and down. they wanted to save the billboard so we had placards saying save the sign anyways this was uh this was a huge you know boost to our you know to our attendance <laughs> That's how. That's amazing. It's brilliant. Yeah. Just brilliant. We just we yeah. we love to do all sorts of stuff. Oh my goodness! Well, uh, we call about the there was uh, at a certain point, you know, an hour into the show, uh, a uh, a phone would drop down, a ringing phone into the audience, and then it would ring until someone in the audience answered it, and then and then they said, it says that there's going to be a twenty minute intermission. You know, it says to tell you. So it's just like really clever stuff that that was done, and it we it, we just it, the whole show was so much fun. Oh my goodness, that's that's fantastic. I mean, um, well, to everyone out there, I'm going to show it again so that people can see, uh, so that everyone both downloads it, it goes and gets the hard copy of it, et cetera, et cetera. Surely you can't be serious. The true story of airplane that everyone can see. Oh. My goodness. Well, um, David, thank you so much for being our special guest and coming on. Sure. This uh, was fun. Was so much fun. Good to see Bob again. Good Bob, to see you. You're going out. We're going to be in Kauai uh, January 2nd through the 9th. So maybe you can row a boat or something over. I could swim. It's not that far. Yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> that far to swim. Yeah. All right. Thanks well, a lot. Thank you so much, David. Have a wonderful <laughs> evening. And thanks for coming on Social Play Live. Have a great New Year's. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, buddy. Well, Bob, thanks so much for, for all well, of that. You, you brought him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Now, was... you, you tell us, uh, uh, you've told me a story before. You, we were talking about on the set and how hilarious, like, there was all that buzz going on when the making of Airplane was happening. And well, and, and you even had a connection with John Travolta. Tell me about that. Yeah, they 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 were showing the uh, you know the dailies. When you show the dailies, the, a lot of times executives, some of the films are, and they'll get an idea of what's going on. They'll go trying to check them out once in a while. And uh, but with this, the the screening room was packed. And then the other people were complaining about us that they didn't get in. So then they'd have to do it again. They've showed it over and over <laughs> so people could see the dailies because they wow. were so popular. Every day, there was a, a, the biggest columnist in the, in the city at the time, uh, probably it was Army Archer. And he had a column in Variety and he would write what's going on in, in town, you know, in the industry. And he said, yeah, they're doing this film called Airplane. Seems to be getting quite a little thing. One of the scenes seems to be about such and such. And they get some little laughs, you know, by reading that. And then the next day or the next few days later, yeah, it looks like today what they're doing over on that scene instead of Airplane is, you know, so they had a constant thing running. So word was kind of getting around. Meanwhile, I'm doing Angie with Donna Pescal as Angie. 
and I played Brad, the rich husband. She's the poor girl, rich poor, you know, family. And and uh, she was one of the uh, stars of uh, Saturday Night Fever uh, with John. So so um, uh, she said, let's go over because they're shooting Urban Cowboy. Let's go over and I want you to meet John because he's such a neat guy. So went over there, met up with him absolutely jewel of a guy wonderful wonderful guy and uh uh because he was a pilot then and he said oh you're doing this film airplane i said yeah oh yeah yeah he says well, what 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 what's and i said well one of the scenes is and i tell him the scene and we would laugh and laugh and then and then uh he said what's another one i said well another scene that we shot was this and we would laugh and laugh and then the guys came out and said hey lunch is over john we need you back get touched up make up get ready to get back on set he said okay and he'd start to leave and i'd say you know there was another one he said what and so i would tell him and we'd laugh hey john we need you back he said oh, okay and i said you know there was one other one. he said what what and i'd tell him that and he would we'd just laugh and laugh and laugh, laugh. john and that happened again and again pretty soon john <laughs> it's okay and he started to go and i said oh there was one more he said what and i said i was going to tell him the dance sequence and i said i'll tell you later <laughs> and I thought, uh oh maybe i don't know i don't want to you gotta see it so anyway that was that was johnny on the lot and That's uh awesome. just a great guy he's a he's he's an amazing legendary uh hollywood personality you know that he's become and uh he was big deal then but he's become you know quite a big deal so and a great guy a really swell guy oh i told you about uh he called me up one day and said hey bob say hey john he said you want to get some lunch i said sure he said meet me at van eyes and i said oh great the little cafe food and he said oh yeah yeah and i said so uh Okay, we're gonna to go to lunch at Van Nuys. He said, No, no, no. I know this great little cafe at the airport up in San Jose. I said, Really? So we get there and he, it's his plane, his Lear. So we jump on his Lear jet and we fly up there because he loves that airport. He loves the food. They got a little, just like in, in David's room, did he point out the train going around his living room in there? They had that going all through the little cafeteria, the little cafe. And the food, of course, was typical uh, airport cafe food. To me, is just like plain, simple American food, and it's the greatest example of it. Just get a burger; it's a great burger. Get bacon and eggs; it's great bacon and eggs. <laughs> and and uh, I called my aunt in Carmel, and I said, "Yeah, I'm up in the plane. I'm right over you guys right now." And it was from the phone up in the cockpit. And uh, she said, I'll meet you guys there. So she drove over and met Johnny and me at the airport. And, wow. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, that was great fun. That is so, so, so cool. Uh, are you able to ever fly commercial where you're not sitting in the back and everyone is uh, making comments about taking over the airplane? <laughs> yeah, more and more, all the time. I mean, for a while, it was crazy. I got a... In, in New York, it was LaGuardia, and I was, you you walk into one of those cubicles, and it's on the big scissor, you know, 
and then they drive you out and to a ramp or you know take it down and then you walk out of the plane or whatever it was anyway I, I walked into that little room and there was one guy in there and we were the first people in there and he was New York some fashionista I don't know what but he was something and dressed in black black suit shirt black pants black shoes black cape with a hat it looked like a, a Spanish flamenco dancer hat all black, everything black and I think he might have even had a little goatee all black and he just sat there leaning against the wall and he stared his legs were crossed and he was leaning back really assuming the pose whatever that pose was and he was just staring at me the whole time <laughs> look at him and I kind of smile and he didn't budge and I oh well and then more and more people came on and I guess it was finally when they filled up the whole thing he finally had his audience so he was still you know leaning against the wall and he takes flings his arm out with the finger pointed right at me and he says I will not get on the plane with that man <laughs> and everyone kind of looked like what are you talking about and they all see me and then they start to kind of laugh and giggle and he'd done his little performance that's what he wanted to do and uh so you know then you get on the plane and you got people you know whether smiling or you think oh, okay i'm just quiet I'm sitting here quietly and then you hear the the uh pilot doesn't pay any attention to you uh doesn't acknowledge you or anything and then uh he gets you know up in the air and says okay we'll be flying at thirty thousand a day uh we'll be taking a slight detour over past uh the grand canyon avoid uh little front coming in over there past uh uh oh god what's what's it uh casa grande uh uh, uh macho grande we'll be going over macho grande and he just but he puts it in there with everything so that it's all you don't really hear and then he comes out and as he's walking past me he kind of winks <laughs> and i kind of smiled at him but on international flights because you can't, you never could go in on the uh, American flights. International flights, they'd invite me up the cockpit, and and I'd sit up there with those guys, L1011s with those huge gold-plated bay windows, and uh, oh, it was it was amazing. But the funniest one was um, John McEnroe was having a tennis tournament in Baja, and so in LA we got on the plane, and uh, it was a little. I think it was a little 727, just a tube, you know, you've got two seats on both sides and, and you have to, well, with me, I had to kind of bend down a little, you know, scrunch my neck down to not bang my head on the roof when you walk into the seat. So I'm standing, I'm sitting there talking to the guy next to me and the uh, stewardess comes up, the Mexicana, Aeromexico or Mexicana. And she says, the pilot would like to know if you would like to come up to the cockpit. And I said, oh, thank you. Yeah, sure, that'd be nice. I go up and say hello to him. And I went back to talking with the guy. She's still standing there. And I said, you mean now? She said, see? And I said, okay, <laughs> I'll be right back. And then I got up, followed her up the cockpit. I go in there and here's the co-pilot is this trim 24 year old, you know, flat as a board pressed all the creases in his shirt just graduated from the uh 
airline pilot school in Arizona. And so he was sitting there all prim and proper. And there's the pilot. And I swear it's 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 Pancho Villa. <laughs> He's got his hat on, then it's curved down because the headphones are on it, so it's all curved, you know. He's got a big Pancho Villa mustache, got a cigar, stubby chunk of cigar. His gut's hanging out, so all the buttons are kind of, you know, the way it's just <laughs> each button. And he said, hey, a striker. And I said, yeah. He said, hey, do you want to sit down? And I said, uh, okay. So he pulls the little jump seat out, and I sit down on it. Well, you can't close the door of the cockpit with the jump seat down in that. He says, do you want a beer? And I said, Okay, W Cerveza for a Ted Striker. So she goes and gets me a Corona, and I've got a bottle of Corona. And then they start pulling it out from the gate. And then we're taxiing down, and I'm thinking, what do the people in the back think about all this? And I turn around and I looked, and every single chair, every seat, the head was every single person on the entire plane. And I didn't know what to do, so I just, cheers. <laughs> I turned back. <laughs> oh, my God. And then as we're flying down there, you know, it's just like, a, hey, did you see this? And he turns the plane. It's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And all the people in the back were thinking, oh, my God, are we going to die? Are we going to die? That was the funniest. But oh, was, my uh, goodness. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> Crazy. Little Pancho. Well, Bob, I want to share something that you shared with me, with our audience. And uh, I don't think the average viewer or person knows that you are not just an artist behind the camera, uh, or in front of the camera, excuse me, um, but you're an artist, like, for real with a brush and, and this well, this I want to bring this one up this is on the foot of the street I showed this one to Heidi she was her she her breath was taken away this really? is amazing tell me how you got into painting also well I just when we got over here everywhere I looked I thought oh god I, I looked up I wish I could paint my brother-in-law's a wonderful artist up in uh, the Seattle area. <clears throat> then my sister works in these weird, you know, wax colors, things. She's a wonderful artist too. But uh, I always used to sketch and goof around. Yeah, that's my little aerial shot. What would it look like if I, if I just made up some islands and was up in a Cessna about 1,500, 2,000 feet? What would that look like? <laughs> so that was... Absolutely gorgeous. I, I love these. That was my first wave, and I still think that's probably my favorite, uh, just because that was my first one. And then when it came out, it was uh, I liked it. I like. I still like it. That's a good. It's one. breathtaking. It really is. So I just I got some uh, started to work with uh, watercolors a little, just to play around with that, on a kind of a small you know, little scale. And I didn't I didn't want to use oils because if it was my place, I could have a room dedicated to that or an area set up and oils can get really messy, you know. Mm. And uh, 
So I, I went with acrylics and acrylics also dry faster and there is, uh, you can take a couple of weeks for the paint, oil painting to dry. Um, and then you can have the acrylics painting, you know, half hour, it's all nice and dry. But it's kind of neat that it dries fast, but it's also kind of tough sometimes when you don't want it to dry just yet. That right there, I walked right down to the end of the street and sat down there looking at the ocean. I took a picture with my iPhone, and came back and used it as a reference. This is just me making it up. And uh, that's what wow. Jean wanted. Uh, when she does her Zoom calls with clients, there was uh, some stuff on the wall she didn't like. And so I got, this is about five feet wide, wow. three and a half feet tall. And, uh, she just wanted a beach scene. So I painted that and put it up for her. So that's what she's got in the background. And people have said, oh, gosh, where are you? That's so pretty. Is that, uh, is that out the window? Is it, no, that's a painting. Oh, oh, that's a painting. That's <laughs> awesome. So, so it's fun. It's, uh, but I just, I just started doing it. And I, my brother-in-law would give me thoughts, you know, relaxing, getting the hand really loose. Um, what you're thinking comes out the arm, right out through the brush. Uh, a lot of things that there are parallels. He and I used to talk about this stuff a lot. We'd be out fishing. He's an amazing, world-class fisherman. And and uh, we'd be out in the boat for hours, and we'd talk about art, talking about what he does. And then we'd talk about my art of the acting and filmmaking and stuff. And the similarities, the things where uh, you have so much in common, uh, just the thought process and the energy and everything that goes into it. And so not really doing so much anymore uh, in the film industry and with COVID shutting everything down and, you know, all the weird stuff going on with restrictions on everything. And so I was just looking for something to... Uh, uh, have a, a sort of a artistic outlet, some way to do something that didn't require huge brains, you know, like mathematics, you know, physics, or some studying huge manuals on things, but instead just create something, you know. So that's what I started doing. Well, I'll tell you, from from the ability to just sit there and play put on airplane and lose yourself for anyone out there, millions and millions of people, and, and just watch it and transform that to what you're doing now and that you can send these pictures out of your work and it does the same thing still. I can, doesn't matter what's happening in my day, I see one of those things uh, of your paintings and it transports me to right outside your house uh, in a creepy, in a non-creepy, non-stalker way. And <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and it's relaxing. It's amazing. And so you really, really have a gift for that. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, <clears throat> self-taught and, and uh, it's amazing nowadays, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, for young golfers, they can go online and YouTube and they can see every great swing in the history of golf from silent days, you know, up to uh, when they first had film. You can see everyone up through Tiger, everybody. So there's no excuse for people to have crappy golf swings anymore. <laughs> they can see great swings. Well, you can go online. I would say, gee, 
How do you how do you get these clouds to that? How do you paint this thing? And you see people painting it and you say, Oh, I see. And then I try to do what they're doing and I just couldn't. So I would try and fail and try and fail and try to and then finally get frustrated and say, and wipe over it with paint and then think, why don't I do it my own way? Because I'm getting tight. And so mm. I start making up my own way, which it didn't sound to me like what it was that they were doing, but it achieved what it was that they were, that I wanted to achieve. So it kind of made me think about how would I do it? And then I came up with the way to do it. So it just it takes longer. You know, if you got really, really good artists, they could whip those things out in a couple of minutes, probably. I don't know what, but <laughs> I just have to do it. I get a whole rough thing down. Gina will walk by and say, oh god that's wonderful and i said well that's not done i'm just barely starting then i got to do all the little stuff get a little bit of foam there a little bit of you know get the clouds just right up there you know whatever but wow. it's so pretty everything every time i turn around i look out at the kualau mountains up here and you just i thought god i'd love to be able to paint those i wonder how i could do that and then i kind of tried a few of them and i i made some that had the mountains in on but kind of neat the greens are amazing the blues like on the the painting you were showing that's the color of the water out there that's the you know that greenish blue that light yeah those colors right there and the one with the tree down at the end of the street that one there that's the that's the color of the water with the sand coming up through it that's it's just wonderful like at the the shadow of the tree, that tree with the bark up there, that's some prehistoric looking tree. And part of it had fallen. In fact, I think it was two different varieties of tree. And and one of them had fallen down, so it's a log you can sit on. And the other one was and, and then has the shadow right down that time of day. There was the shadow right there. So wow. just uh it's just it's like you say, you look at it and you just think, ah, oh, yeah, that's kind of nice. That's what you want to try to, you know get that feeling well that's wow. a neat thing or wow that's a big wave or that's ooh, look at those clouds and the ones i'm doing now with a little tiny wave at the bottom of the big clouds up above are just kind of fun to do so yeah. i'm getting carried getting carried away you know <laughs> well th I, I just want to say thank you so much uh you, this is a holiday gift to so many people of you taking time out of your day to uh, to celebrate uh, the movie, your life, uh, what you've done, um, what you're doing now, um, uh, and uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. appreciate that. Appreciate your friendship and and, and appreciate you taking time to come on the show. Yeah, and I appreciate you too. And thank you so much. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Jeff. It was great fun as always. You got it. Take care. Bye-bye. And thank you for all of you taking time out of your evening to join us here again on Social Flight Live. We are off next week, but we'll be back on Tuesday, January 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern time again to kick off the new year with Rod Machado. Going to be another wonderful show. Rod is such a, a good friend of the show and a wonderful human being, uh, passing along some lessons, uh, some uh, good information about flight training and so many other uh, really great things from Rod. And then on Tuesday, January 16th, shuttle astronaut Anna Fisher 
will be here. The first mother to fly in space on the shuttle. Uh, and uh, she's got a wonderful story. Uh, we uh, cannot wait to have her on the show. And then on Tuesday, January 23rd, Michael Menzel from the James Webb Telescope. Well, come on, we'll take a, a little bit of a turn from aviation towards space, learn about uh, that amazing uh, NASA uh, accomplishment and what went into it, some of the great things coming back. And so uh, keep air and space together here on Social Flight Live. Until next time again, thank you so, so much. If you are interested in supporting Social Flight again, the, we have just a few more of our uh, all-metal uh, solar desk aircraft that we have available, just send an email to info at socialflight.com, I-N-F-O, info at socialflight.com. And until next time, I wish you all Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, and blue skies.